Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and My Time Captured is the podcast where my guest tells me the five things from their life that they wish they had in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish or would like to see again, and one thing that they want to bury and forget. My guest in this episode is the stand-up comedian and rising star of the comedy circuit, Louise Young. Louise is from Newcastle and is a regular at clubs up and down the country. Louise has supported the likes of Jason Manford and Alan Carr on their nationwide UK and Ireland tours. And in 2020, she was nominated for the Leicester Mercury Comedian of the Year. And the following year was nominated for the Leicester Comedy Festival's Best Festival Appearance. She's also been a finalist in the Funny Women Awards. Louise has presented a weekly comedy radio show on BBC Radio Newcastle and at the 2020 Gillard Awards won a commendation for Newcomer of the Year. Louise also wrote and acted in Channel 4's original comedy shorts, one of which gained over 5 million views. And on BBC Radio 4, she's in the comedy Fred at the Stand. She can also be seen on Comedy Central Live. Louise is currently performing her debut hour at the Pleasance Courtyard of the Edinburgh Fringe. Unless, of course, you're listening to this retrospectively, in which case the extremely famous Louise Young did some time ago do a show at the Pleasance Courtyard. But we all know about that. Anyway, to get back to the present, the show is entitled Feral. Now, in fact, Louise did ask her friends if her life had been feral enough to warrant this title. Apparently, they laughed and assured her it still is. So let's hear what the lovely Louise Young would choose to have in her time capsule and what she'd like to bury and forget. 
where do you live now? Do you live in Newcastle? I live in Liverpool now. And it's very similar to Newcastle, to be honest with you. Similar vibe, similar type of sense of humour, similar type of like background, like sort of socio-economic background, take a home from home. I understand that. My entire family, going back well, a number of generations, are all dockers. Yeah. My father's father was a docker, and all my uncles were dockers, and my father went to night school. Really? <laughs> Hence, here I am, double-barrelled. Yeah. So I do feel... Now, you boldly say in your stand-up, I'm working class, I'm from working class, and then do some fantastic jokes about it. I won't repeat them because they're, they're yours and they're really funny. And I thought, am I working class? Am I still working class? Because I'm definitely from working class stock. You know, I now live in Tunbridge Wells in a nice townhouse. Am I still working class? And I think that actually you can still be working class, mm-hmm. even if you've made a success of yourself. Yeah. This is some of the stuff that I want to explore in my show, actually, is that kind of like levels of working classness. Because mm-hmm. there is, it's such a big strata of what working class means and and everything like that. I think what's interesting when I was like looking at other people who were saying they were working class in comedy, I was like thinking, oh God, I think I'm more in the kind of um, like something's on a fire in the garden type of working <laughs> class. Like the, like the kind of unpalatable version sometimes. I mean, but then again, not now really. Well, in many ways, yes, still, but then I'm working in the arts. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it changes constantly, doesn't it? It's such, it's more, um, what's the word, sort of. Yeah, it's, it's fluid. It's uh, fluid, yeah. It's yeah. completely fluid, I think, class. Yeah. 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 I think it is. And I think you can hold on to the principles or the attitude that you have as a working class person mm-hmm. and not necessarily sound like a working class person like me. But mm-hmm. I would absolutely place myself as one of the working classes. And I, I'm proud of it. Oh, yeah. And if you do, it's because you, you have met people that make you realise that you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's what it will be as well. You, yeah. There's no doubt when you meet some people that Christ I am. Poverty stricken, <laughs> or, or yep. from that, not necessarily poverty stricken, but but certainly from a type of thing. Even little things like when I first started doing comedy, and this is it sounds so slight, and to me now I wouldn't even hear this because I say things like this. But when I started doing comedy, I'd sit in green rooms with like people who were like comfortable that had worked in the arts all their life, and mm. they go, "Oh, there's a fantastic place for breakfast around the corner." <laughs> and in my head, I'd be thinking, who's got time to look for places for nice places? Like, even little things like that. Like, no, yeah. it, it was like a work mentality. You've got to work, got to work. Like, we're not moseying around looking for breakfast. But even that seemed like superfluous to what you had to get on with. Like, now that I wouldn't scan that at all, because I would go and find a nice place for me breakfast. But <laughs> like, even just the way people speak is different. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I'm trying to explore this in me, in me short, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, isn't it? Because actually there are people who are definitely working class who really don't see themselves that way, who see themselves of having yeah. got out of that. And it's an interesting idea that you get out of it. You know, I mean, I aspire to not be working class. And you go, well, I, actually, I aspire to maintain my working classness. Yeah, I think that's two separate things, isn't it? Maybe like certainly the values that we both probably want to keep and me as I'm doing more and more like in the arts and stuff and becoming mm. less familiar with like going to somewhere to work for eight hours. Like you want to keep the values and, and things like that, but but you don't want to do that. That's romanticising it to be like, yeah. oh, well, I'd like to be poverty stricken and, you know, yeah. be looked down upon by the job centre when I can't get things together. And no yeah. one wants that for themselves. And work for ridiculously long hours for very, very small pay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's being it, but keeping the values of it so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also those things, like you say, I feel much happier eating in a greasy spoon 
than I do eating in, I don't know, one of those places that serves bagels with spinach. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't feel <laughs> I don't home. think that's a very extravagant food. <laughs> is, it, is it a real thing? I always walk in and that's what I see on the menu. I think, oh, it looks like it's got some sort of bagel or a brioche or something. And I think, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I think that's quite normal food now, though, Michael. <laughs> is it? Be, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm stuck then. Yeah, but all those things, I find I'm happier in a rough pub than I am in a, mm. in a smart pub. Mm. I feel more at home. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But I know people who, um, like my auntie, for example, she's got like an office job and she loves to go to rough pubs at the weekend so she can like like see all everything kicking off. But like now that I, especially like a year ago when I was doing like club nights all the time, I was like, no, let's just go to the quietest bar. That's like a library. I don't want to see any drunk people. <laughs> like I was so at capacity with like drunk people from doing like weekend clubs and stuff. So yeah, 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 yeah true. Yeah, no, I'm happier in Benidorm than I am in Samaritz. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When I was a very young man, Louise, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. No, but, it's all right. Uh, before you talk about your thing, but uh, I forgot about that actually. <laughs> we'll do that. We will get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was a very young man, I went to Italy. It was the first time I'd ever been abroad. First time I'd ever been on a plane. And I arrived on this holiday with a bunch of really quite serious Catholics. My mother had sent me because she, I think she hoped that I might be persuaded to become a priest. Mm. And we stayed in a seminary, which is a weird name for a place where a lot of young male priests are together. <laughs> and so they were. we turned up this place. And at the same time, from another flight when we got there, a whole horde of people from Newcastle turned up. Oh, God. And what a fantastic holiday. I had Was the it? best time. <laughs> oh, that's good. I feel the opposite to you right now because I went to, uh, not necessarily Geordie's, yeah. but I went to Malta two weeks ago to see my cousin and um, me and my girlfriend got on the flight from Liverpool and then it dawned on because we had tickets to go to see England versus Malta on the first day. <laughs> And then it dawned on was well, it's like, this is going to be full of England fans. This <laughs> and it was just like a mobile. Oh, oh it was no. just, it was, they were just getting up and down, shouting. The poor air hostess, she was so amazing. Like I said, like, well, she was just having to shout with them like they were toddlers. She's like, you put that there, you get down, get off his drink. It was, it was chaos. It was absolute chaos. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> And the last time, I was, last time I was in Newcastle, I arrived, got off the train and walked to a hotel, which was about 150 yards away. And then a friend rang me and said, we're down by the docks down at the bottom. Quayside. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And he said, we're down there. Come and join us. So I, I went, OK, so I put my jacket on and I was about 50 yards from the hotel and a car drove past me. And then they turned around and drove back again, wound the window down. And the bloke shouted, fuck off home, you southern bastard. Really? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Because <laughs> I had a jacket on. Oh, yeah. That'll be right. Yeah, <laughs> Southern bastard. I don't know why people think Geordies are friendly. Like everyone, <laughs> you can say that and they're like, "Oh, they're not believe it." No, they're being aggressive and nasty. No, they genuinely mean fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's much better now. It's lovely and friendly now. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. it's lovely. Lovely place. So I'm, I'd be delighted and fascinated to find out the things that you've chosen to put into a time capsule. Okay. Well. Yes, I just approached this with like lovely things that I love about life, really. Yeah. Just lovely feelings. I'm quite a, I'm a bit of a hippie, I am. <laughs> but the first thing, it, I'm going to start with a bit of drama. So the first thing was um, I have this pebble that I would love to put in the time capsule. It, it was from um, 
the basically this pebble was after I thought I was going to die up a mountain. Oh, and right. when I realised that I was coming back to civilization and I was safe and I wasn't going to die in a mountain, I picked this up to like remember that feeling of relief. So it was about um, two years ago and it was with a comedian who I've got a podcast with, actually, Harry Adaya. Yeah. One of my best friends, um, great comedian. And we went to this like cottage just to chill for a few days in, in the winter uh, in mm. North Wales. So beautiful. Lovely. Gorgeous. And it got to about one in the afternoon and we're like, why don't we go for like a walk, like a, like a countryside walk? So I looked on like the, my phone and there was this like wonderful walk that went through like rivers and then up a big mountain and then through a forest. This is amazing. So we drive and we go there. It starts amazing. Like it's actually quite like, and I want to do the walk again now that the trauma has passed. But like then we started to realise like it's it's December, like the night comes in quite quick. Yeah. And you may have thought, well, no, come on. Like we've seen the map. It said it's like a two-hour walk. We've got an hour left to go. Let's just get back to the car park, which was like a circular walk. Mm. But of course, we get probably to the summit of this, like, it probably wasn't a mountain, but it was pretty, it was a big hill. Yeah. And then the night just starts to come in. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and a storm. And it was, I don't know if you remember, there was some bad storms around, it was like 2021, December. There was some real bad rainstorms and um, and the wind starts blowing her and like pelting on the face. And I'm like, oh my God, we're really exposed on the hill and the weather's come in. And it was the ignorance of work. We didn't like we didn't have any torches, we just had our iPhones and that uh, and just the torch on that. Oh God. <laughs> I know. And I said to Harriet, I was like, we are so screwed here. Like we've done none of the things you're supposed to do. We've not got maps. So when our phones mm-hmm. go, we're gonna we've not got because it was getting dark. You couldn't see the little arrows that shows you. Yeah, where you're going. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> we've not got maps. We've not got first aid kits. We've not got blankets. We've not got torches. We haven't even told anyone where we're going. Oh, and no. Harriet like looked at us and went, "Well, I told you." And then we just found like um, I found somehow found my way into this forest that, that I knew I think was like to come back down the hill, but it was pitch black and it was just like I think it was the feeling a real primal feeling of like oh my life's in danger like this is this is really mm. dangerous this could be really bad it was yeah. freezing it was December and just the quite a unique feeling you don't get many type well hopefully unless you're like I don't know at war or whatever you don't get many feelings like oh I could die if we don't sort this out this is this is horrible yeah. so eventually by the grace of God we're falling over everywhere and it was you know it became more like okay let's you know, when you start reason with yourself, you're like, we've only walked an hour away from, like, there's got to be. Yeah. And then you orientate yourself a little bit and then calm down. And then we've seen a light in the distance and we're like, okay, well, at least there's something. And then that's when I picked that pebble up and I was like, ah, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, we'd lived. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then you got to that light and found it was some other people with phones who were yeah. completely lost. <laughs> to be fair, it was like an odd cabin in the woods. So from there, we found and then the car and... Yeah. And oh, it, would, but it would thrilling. Thrilling and the feeling of surviving. Yeah. And actually in those moments, he's extraordinary, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, it's only once or twice in my life I've been in that situation and I remember them really distinctly. I remember that feeling. So to be that organised so that you actually bend down and go, well, I'm going to take this with me yeah. to remember 
this moment. Yeah. That's quite something. I know, because it was just such a rush of like, because I think the human body, the human, this is when I become a hippie again, the human mind and body probably craves that feeling once or twice now and then because that's what we're designed to have. So I remember going back to when we got back to the cabin and stuff like the cottage, just a real sense of contentment of like, oh, that's what I'm here to do, like survive. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've given me brain that thing that's actually designed to do for once in its life other than just like sitting around (laughs) watching Netflix. Um, But yeah, sometimes I look at it and it feels like powerful to like look at because I just went, oh, I remember Mm. just that feeling of sitting there and feeling safe and like we've done it. Because I'm such a headless chicken of a person. So (laughs) to keep me cool, and get her out of there. And then Harriet was just oddly zen. I think she's had, she won't mind me saying, she's had a lot of trials and tribulations in her life, so she just was like, <laughs> just, just another drama. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah, yeah, she was so chill. She went, well, we would just huddle together for warmth. We would have managed. Like, just so chilled out about it. Or as Anne was like macheteing through the forest trying to get us out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I do remember that, actually seeing the different ways that people react. Mm. I was with four other people and two of them panicked Mm. and I became very decisive. Not necessarily correct, but decisive. Same. And one of our friends just went, there you go. You're probably (laughs) going to die. We'll be dead soon. He just relaxed. You saw all the worries go from him. He went, there's nothing I can do about it. Where did you get lost? We were in the sea. Oh, God. And couldn't get back. And it was really frightening. Whoa, mm. that is, that's terrifying because there's no touchstones, is there? You just, well. <laughs> no, not really. What did you do? I did swim for the shore and made it. And uh, whew, it was frightening. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And then he, people went out and rescued them. But actually, the fellow who rescued my mate, uh, Jeffrey, who was very relaxed about it all, said I had to persuade him to get on the surfboard. He went out on the surfboard and, and brought him back. And he said he sort of had to tap him on the shoulder and say, mate, mate. And he was just lying back in the water, just going, any minute now I'll probably go under. God, that's very zen. Mm. That's very zen or just or very depressed. I don't know which is it. I don't know. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's dead now, Jeffrey. Yeah. He died very sadly, sudden death syndrome. He was walking down the street and he just died. Really? Yeah. I wonder if in a way he had a sort of a, a sense of his own mortality in that moment. Yeah, because he was he's probably the person who could deal with a stressful death. Maybe a person who's scared of death needs one of those quick ones. He just said yeah. like you could handle it all. I know. Yeah. And who knows? Who knows? We're all going there, but who knows which way? So, yeah. yes, at least it wasn't then. It wasn't then for me, no. <laughs> no. And a great thing to have. I love stones. I love picking up stones and I love the individuality of them all. And then also the sense of just the time involved. In them. Yes. Yeah. I'm very like that as well. I'll often pick up stones on walks and stuff to just to remember a buy or like. It's probably like against like national trust thing to be taking all these rocks back like we are, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. A lot miss one or two. Although you do think that, don't you? You think that well, I, I, it's just me. I can't possibly have an effect. But everyone. If everybody yeah. who does it does it over a period of time, yeah. I read in the paper today in fact that somebody has been an enormous fuss in Italy because somebody carved their name into the Colosseum. Oh, really? I feel like a lot of people would have done that over the years. But you would think so, yeah. wouldn't you? you think the thing would be covered in it? Yeah. Because there was a time when people didn't think about their effect. You know, it's like Stonehenge. Yeah. That is also covered in names, Carl. Is it? it? 
Yeah. Yeah. But you're not allowed anywhere near it now. Yeah. But it's only seems bad because we are around now. Like when you go into, um, oh, I was in some castle and there was like the, the, the prison cells in the castle and you've got like Richard 1743. And that's cool, Amazing. isn't it? Because it's isn't from it? then. Yeah. But then we didn't go, oh, Richard, don't put your name on this castle. It's just, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. yeah I know. Yeah. yeah. And I live in Tunbridge Wells and there is a place here called The Rocks, which are a large, well, they're large rocks that stick out of the middle of the common. And the kids love climbing all over them. And it's only sandstone, so it's, it's quite soft. But they've obviously been there for a long, long time. And mm. actually, thinking about it now, because I've been here a long time, I can see the change in them in just the sort of 40 years that I've been looking at them. Really? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does have a, bound to have an effect, isn't it? If everyone taking stones from mountains and doing this and that, like it's bound to. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it's just part of um, something that just is. Do you know what I mean? Like if it was like if those rocks were in, you know, somewhere like the jungle and like chimps were jumping all over them, you wouldn't be like, oh, they can't jump and then they're going to change things. It's because it's humans. <laughs> we're like, oh, we're making a mess of everything. Like, yeah. we need to jump over nature as well, don't we, a little bit? We do a bit. Yeah. Although we tend to trample it, I think, rather oh, than yeah. just... But then there are amazing things, like Stonehenge. I went to Pembrokeshire a couple of months ago and we went to the place where the rock for Stonehenge came from. Really? And they, and they carried it all the way from Pembrokeshire to Stonehenge. So where, how long is that? I'm not quite sure where, what the distance is. So Pembrokeshire is on the Welsh coast. Oh my God. I know. Jeez. That's an enormous distance, isn't it, for Neolithic man? Yeah, some things, there's things that we don't know about, isn't there? No, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how did they get it there? In a spaceship, obviously. Yeah, that's where my mind goes to. <laughs> well, that was aliens, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, let's take that little piece of rock, your little pebble, and uh, put it into the time capsule. So that's the first thing to remind you of surviving. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Louise, what's next? Next one, I'm going to put in. <laughs> this is because I was feeling quite loopy lately, and I realised, like, um, I don't know, there is no feeling like walking out of like a therapy session, and <laughs> and all of the mayhem that you've built up in your head over like weeks and weeks and weeks and these stories that you've taught yourself and you walk out and after that hour it's all just been dissolved by a professional who's gone you've created all of these problems from your crazy thinking and everything's actually okay and you know everything's okay don't you and you're like oh god yeah and then you walk out and just are unburdened of like all the chaos you've like been causing yourself I just think that's such a Every time it happens, I'm like, what a, oh, it's such a wonderful feeling and we should all be, I feel sad that some people don't do it and get stuck in um, their own hellscapes that they start painting in their head. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to put that in my time capsule. It's <laughs> quite a weird one. But... What a brilliant thing. I, do you know, I've never had therapy. Really? No, never had therapy. And your description of it there makes me wonder why. Mm. Why have I not done that? What a wonderful thing. I mean, I suppose in a way it's the giving over of yourself to someone. It's a saying, okay, you're the expert in this thing. These are my problems. What am I doing wrong here? Yeah, that's it. And allowing them to then say to you, well, let's think about it. You know, are they real? Yeah. And 90%, I mean, 99% of the, <laughs> and even if they are yeah. real, they're not real in the way that you think that, that like, it's madness. Well, it is madness. It's like, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's totally that because your brain is in the driver's seat so often, mm-hmm. but all our brains are broken for whatever reason, different dysfunctions, different bad habits, different this, different terrible coping mechanisms that we've not addressed. So like, of course, if you're in the driver's seat nonstop, 
it's going to spin out of control. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, And that's how you put that is the wonderful feeling of it. Like for that hour you've went, can this idiot in control of the reins just be relieved of that position for two yeah. seconds? And then for someone to do that and go, okay, look at it this way, A, B and C, these are not problems. And you, I mean, there's good therapists and bad therapists. Obviously I've had mm, some really sure. dead rubbish, but the one I've got at the minute, like in Liverpool, he's class and he just dissolves everything that I think is going to destroy us. And then I walk <laughs> out and I'm like, oh, it was so easily dissolved just by someone who sees this day in, day out. Amazing. And then do yeah. you also, have you learned to apply that to yourself without seeing him? No. No, not, not yet. Not yet, nah. No. I mean, I do if I see him regularly, I can mm-hmm. put things in place, but certainly not yet if and because i haven't been seen him for very long but if i don't go for a while i'd start to paint the pictures tell the stories get yeah, in yeah. it builds and builds and builds and i'm living in an absolute reality that doesn't exist then mm. go see him and then you just punctures it and i'm fine again for weeks but obviously the idea is the more you go the more you can build those tools yourself yeah. yeah and then eventually you're in a situation where when you feel that happening you can say to yourself no I know why that's happening. Yes, That's yeah. not real. That's not yeah. what's actually happening. My wife always says, my wife always accuses me, rightly, of being a man who writes stories around his life. Yeah. So I see things and then I go, ah, I know what's happening there. And I will develop quite complex and detailed stories mm. about why that's happening. And it's not true most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Like I've watched something the other day and it's like, like the majority of why we suffer and why we get upset is completely, it's completely us creating yeah. our own sufferings. And it's just yes, like... I know what you're thinking. Yeah. That thought that goes through your mind. I know what yeah. that person's thinking. And you go, yeah. well, you don't know what they're thinking. Exactly. And that can be applied to like, I know how this is going to go. <laughs> and then tell yourself the catastrophes that are going to unfold. Yeah. And again, it's just constant, especially in jobs like, acting like jobs like writing comedy you are encouraged sometimes to li- live in this and if i'm sitting writing all day mm-hmm. i have to live in here yeah and modern psychology is like you have to understand that your thoughts are just thoughts they're not but it's hard when your thoughts are your living <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. well actually i do need to pay attention to some of these because i've got to like, <laughs> pay me bills i'm being encouraged to be inventive and yet yeah. <laughs> sometimes that, that invention is harmful I mean, I'm sure that's true with all of us, that there are times where we can sit and brood about something that doesn't even exist. Yes. Oh, God, so much. So that's why just going to see someone who is trained and impartial, Mm -hmm. I'll tell them what's, like, destroying us, and you'll just not laugh, but you'll just (laughs) see the smile on his face because he's like, oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) These are not... But to you, they're such huge problems. And then, yeah, I think that feeling of going, being unburdened and being, yeah. and, and and with big things as well, not just with the things that we invent, like. I mean, real problems, yeah. Yeah, real problems, real bad things. And it sounds very LA for someone from Newcastle to go, <laughs> I love therapy. It's like where I, <laughs> where I remember it forever. But it is good. And I think it's good to break cycles and become more emotionally aware. Like, I just, I think it's just such a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that process of learning about yourself ought to be a constant thing, ought to be something that we all strive to do all the time. And I think lots of people, me included, we're quite happy to sit as the person we've been Mm. and stay that person with all their faults. We're not willing to explore what's wrong with us. Yeah. Because it sounds a bit like, that going back to that working class thing, it sounds like almost self-indulgent to be like, oh, I'm going to work on myself. But actually... Mm. 
by working on yourself, you just you're more present for everyone else. Otherwise, you just in to not work on yourself, be stuck in your own head, isn't it? And with your own problems and mm. like, oh me, or oh, poor me. But so to work on it, you're back in the room, aren't you? Because you're not burdened with all of this stuff, I think. Yeah. But also as well, you for other generations and stuff, it's it raises was a huge stigma about like being mentally ill. Yeah, like yeah. even like or, or not even the stigma thing, but just unwilling to open that box. Mm-hmm. Like actually for but you can tell it being like i'm not opening i'm not going to do that self-assessment thing because it's just too terrifying yeah i wish people could just know who don't do it like just how good just how amazing to be unburdened and realize that you're you've been taking yourself far too seriously i just think is a one of the best feelings that (laughs) at the minute yeah good this is therapy for me, you know. Yeah. This process of talking to people who I don't necessarily know, you know. I mean, I, we are strangers, and yet we're able mm. to talk about these things. And your information for me is is such a fresh way of looking at it that it's something that I've always gone, ah, well, I, you know, why would I do that? Yeah. Now I listen to you and think, well, why do I not do that? Yeah. Because I suppose people are scared of what you might, or you probably you think, I'm going to be given more work to do. <laughs> or I want to really work on that. But I don't think that's what I've, my experience has been. There's obviously got to work, but just just to feel so unencumbered and put someone else in the driver's seat for a second. Mm-hmm. But then again, I got given one, this woman, like about seven years ago, and I was telling her something and she just yawned. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> a real theatrical yawn. And I thought, I don't think she meant, I think... <laughs> I think that if she was listening, she wouldn't have yawned at that, but she zoned out so much that she's forgotten where she is and she's been like, oh, God, another depressed person. <laughs> it's the last thing you want to go in there and say, well, look, I've got this written. They go, oh, for God's sake, not again. <laughs> I know. It was what she did. She was like, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> was like that. fascinating. Yeah. So that, that didn't make us come out of Michelle. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. we will take that lovely feeling. And I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is because all of us are burdened, as you put it, for most of our lives. So the idea of being unburdened, what a lovely thing. Yeah. Okay, that goes into the time capsule. Louise, that's number two. Wonderful. So what's number three? Okay, ad break time. Uh, These are the things that help to pay for this podcast. So if you have the time, do give them some attention. We'll be back with you straight after. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. And if you're a skipper who has magically come in at the right moment, bit of luck, then here's the middle of a sentence that won't make any sense to you, just so you feel at home. Out any trousers, but they knew about the wind, so I wasn't prosecuted. <laughs> right, let's get back to Louise Young, shall we? See you at the end. I've listened to a couple of uh, episodes of this, actually, a few episodes, and um, I think the couple that I listened to the uh, came up. I've heard this a couple of times. It's like nice, sort of nice family memories, and often of this vein. This is the one that I always think about when I when I feel safe, mm. and it was like I must have been about ten. And um, it was like raining and stormy outside. And my nana was on the settee and it was, the fire was on. And my cousin Rachel was a little baby and she was like soundly asleep in her crib seat. Mm. And then like an omnibus of Brookside was on. It must be like <laughs> Sunday afternoon. And it just sounds very unremarkable, but I just felt so warm and safe and mm. content in a way that I just profoundly remember vividly everything about the moment, the carpet, the fire even the sound of the fire the atmosphere of the rain outside like i just flash bulb remember everything about even the way the city was slightly pulled forward to get more heat from the fire mm. it just felt so safe i think a lot of people have those moments from childhood where they just remember feeling safe and content and that that's just my one so i've got to put that in yeah i think everybody does but i don't think that you can necessarily picture i'm trying to think if i can actually i i can how weird. Mm. I've not thought about it before, Louise. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a pram. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And I feel that contentment, that happiness, that being safe, really safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think as well, like, I remember maybe like, this is more sad, but like, I think that was one of the first moments where as a kid, you kind of think like, I don't want anything to change. <laughs> like, because it must have been like, it, no chaos was present at that moment. It was, everything was safe. Everyone was happy. The baby was asleep. Television's on. Mm. And it's an omnibus. It's not even going to end soon. Like, everything's just <laughs> safe and warm and lovely. And just kind of, and I remember thinking, God, oh, we just wanted to stay. And I think that's like, I remember a couple of moments like that as a kid of really grappling with the impermanence of, of life for the first time. Because mm-hmm. you just think, I just want everything to stay like this. And then obviously, as you get older, you, you, know, you realise that it can't. But like, I think that's just one that I've got to put that memory in. <laughs> Lovely. And I think that's why a lot of people, a lot of children, when you ask them, particularly at a certain age, or probably about that age, you say, you know, so you might jokingly say, you've got a boyfriend? I'm, no. Yeah. I, I'm never going to get married. I never want any of that. I didn't know. Yeah. What they mean is I don't want to not be me anymore. I want to stay as I am. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, very true, yeah. I wonder when you start feeling like, I always think this, when you start feeling like the adult you, because I, like, I'm 33, right, so I'm looking back to like when I was 21 and I'm like, was that me, the me, me that I'm, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do, yeah. I'm like, Ma, was that, that me then? I must have been a bit that me because I can remember responding to things and the way I would respond to them now. We're like, it's funny, isn't it? Like how mm. even you are you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting too deep on this. <laughs> no, no, I, it is interesting, isn't it? Because you do, and particularly, you know, at my age, I look back and I remember myself at that age and I look back and I see all the faults, I see all the things that I did wrong yes. and the behaviour that I had that at the time I was absolutely convinced was the right way to do things and that actually I had the right to do it. Mm. And and now I look back at it and think, oh, you 
impatient little so-and-so. Yeah. So I do think you look at yourself and you look at the changes in your life and you look at the way that you've developed. And uh, hopefully you're, you're pleased about it. You know? Well, let's hope. Well, well, I don't know. <laughs> but I think, um, no, I, I am largely. But I, I, what I do, I always do the same thing. And I, I look back and I can't believe, maybe, yeah, maybe that was the last time that I'd been 21 plus. I started to think, probably feel like the me that I am now. Yeah. But I, before that, I'm always shocked by looking back on like how I've been as like a teenager, like just shocked by like the lack of empathy that I've shown. Like that really upsets. It's like, yeah. why did I speak to that person like that in that situation? Why didn't I just show compassion? I think like it just goes to show. I don't know, like, there's definitely a thing to be said for, like, maybe empathy is what the, it is wisdom, almost. Like, maybe they're, they're, they're one and the same thing. That seems to be the thing that you you do as you get older, you do kind of go, there's no need to react with anger. There's no need to react with your ego or, or with sort of, like, nastiness to almost protect yourself. Like, you sort of grow out of that childish survival. Or a sense, of, that strange sense that we all have at some point in our life, which is where if you think that you're right and somebody else is wrong, you have to make that point. Oh, yeah. You become the opinion mm. instead of an opinion that you've got. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just an opinion. Just, a, just an opinion. This is what I think at this moment, almost. Yeah. And yet at that moment, it also becomes absolutely essential that you win in a way. But yeah, exactly, because if you become the opinion, then if this opinion's not right, you die. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. what that's how your brain's reading it. Weird, you know? Isn't it? It's yeah. really weird. I think yeah. that that's the contentment in life is something that we're always looking back for. That yeah. feeling that, well, everything's fine. Because as you say, as you go into adult life, you not only hopefully have empathy, but that comes from an understanding of how difficult life is for most mm. people. And that actually if people are living a different life or doing things differently to you, that's there's bound to be a reason for it. Of course, yeah, definitely. Like, um, it's weird that you've said that because I didn't really consider but of all the times that people remember, or at least that I do, and like when I speak to people, it's always being safe as a kid because mm-hmm. it's just not the same. Even now when I, when I feel content, I went to the lakes last week, this weekend, just gone, and I love it there. And like, was on the lake. Beautiful, yeah. Oh, beautiful, on a mm. paddleboard. And my girlfriend was next to us on a kayak. And it was <laughs> just like that. I can't get more content than that's like a happy place for me yeah. but it'll only be five minutes before my brain goes oh about like all them emails that you've got to do with them <laughs> remember when you were quite rude to that person two weeks ago mm-hmm. and it's just and then it's like a daily practice to try and stay in that kind of yeah because when you're younger there's no to-do list i suppose is there? there's no no not really no the only yeah. pressure is school homework that's about it homework but uh yeah it's interesting then as you think of it moving into being a teenager i'm quite forgiving of teenagers particularly my own teenage life which is mm. it's understandable they've gone from this thing where in fact you have no power when you're a child suddenly you think as a teenager when well, i do have some power i soon have some control over things and it's very easy then to put yourself right at the center of everything everything is about you yeah so it's understandable that teenagers quite often seem to not notice anything around them yeah i suppose it's like, it's like loads of tyrants isn't it like people have not had any power then they've been given something <laughs> this is great <laughs> yeah. and you can see it you know girls become aware that although they often clearly have no idea what it is but they become aware of their their allure mm. isn't that awful i remember wearing well having a school uniform on and like men looking at you out of a car when you're like 13 14 and, I remember, and I, at the time i was just like i wonder why they look at you now i'm mm. older i'm like oh god yeah there's some not very good people on this in this world <laughs> yeah 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 Anyway, that was a bit of a dark 
remember no, no. Me there. I don't know. I was a, I was not. I don't think I was that type of teenager. I was quite odd and lonely, and probably did think a very introspective, and probably did think of the wider world. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Well, you know, but at the same time, teenagers can change. Well, look at Greta Thunberg. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really. I just probably listened to a lot of Green Day. I don't think I really <laughs> tried to like stop climate change. Um, I wish I did. I wish I had done something like that. Yeah, if only. Um, yeah, like, I like that. I like those memories. Those memories of feeling safe before all of that hits. Before all those teenage pressures hit. Before adult life. I, I suppose like maybe a lot of it's just getting back to that, isn't it? Getting mm-hmm. back to that contentment and. I suppose um, reigning in that tyranny that you're talking about, isn't it? Like you get given this power and that's maybe life's about like, what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Are you going to go mad with it? Or are you going to scale it back and use it wisely? Like, I think that's what it's, I think we got so deep on this, trying to work out the meaning of life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went for the moment in your life where you were most content. Yeah. And, and it is, it's very evocative because the rain outside on the window, uh, my memory in the pram is being in a pram, but with a plastic cover over. Mm-hmm. The rain's hitting the plastic cover, and I'm safe. I'm warm and safe inside. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it's womb-like almost. Embryonic. Mm. Yeah, maybe it is because there was a baby there, and the, the fire was on. It was like so, so warm and stuff. Yeah. Well, I should put it into the time capsule for you, Thank so you. that uh, if you ever want to open it up and go in there. But I'm sure it's wedged in your brain. I wish this was real this time, capsule. It's quite good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. Okay, so we've got two left. Right. So got quite deep. So it's a tonic that. Uh, <laughs> I like being silly, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so this is gonna. I don't know if you're gonna really find this funny, but well, this is probably why you won't. Because I just love being silly. I love being silly, and I love that silliness you get with like best friends or uh, partners, couples, mm-hmm. because you go into your own brand of like real stupidity and like me and my girlfriend have this thing where do you know how on x factor and it's it's sort of to echo x factor i don't know when we started doing it but like she'll go like oh i love you and i'll go oh i love you and then now we go and together we are the i love you twins and i look at a camera that's not there (laughs) we do it all the time like if i go I don't know, like, oh, that was uh, really helpful what you did there. And she would go, you're helpful. And then I would go, you're helpful. And together, we are the helpful. <laughs> we got a thing that we always do. I love um, those things. I do. do I love, I mean? it's very personal. You can almost not explain it to people. Yeah. They can laugh at the memory of their own moments like that. Yes. I think that's what you laugh at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was at school, we had, <laughs> we used to, whenever anybody said seven, we all used to go, seven? <laughs> That's it. So I know exactly what you mean. Is that nonsense? It's nonsense. <laughs> but everybody did it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, me and my girlfriend have got one like that where nothing will happen. Like, someone will just move, move like a remote control. <laughs> and she'll go, hey! But it never gets really innocuous happened. <laughs> That's odd, very funny. Those odd little... <laughs> Isn't it? I love them. And what's great about it is like it's so hard to explain to anyone because it's often things that you do have in a people who are together every day or work people have it a lot uh, and partners have it loads because you're in each other's pockets all the time. But mm. it's, I don't know, maybe I was reading this online somewhere. It's not my thing. I was reading it on, on something, but someone was explaining that him and his girlfriend have a thing where like if they spot a piece of jewellery in the room, <laughs> they'll just pick it up and went, you'll never catch me, I have the treasure. And they just run around the house like a mad elf. 
<laughs> that's funny maybe it's because it's those things that make you first see the other person as it were it's little tiny moments where you go oh we share that oh we share that sense yeah. of humor or we share that yes you know just catching sort of glint in someone's eye and you go mm. oh you think that's funny as well and that yeah. develops into your own personal language yeah yeah totally it really does. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because like you say, it's hard to describe your particular ones or my particular ones. It's impossible almost. And that's because it's just your particular language with that person and mm -hmm. your silly language with that person. And it's like probably like a safety thing, isn't it? Because if I was to, <laughs> you know, if someone was to move a remote and I went, hey, they'd be like, that's weird and you're strange. I'll walk into a jewellery shop, pick up the jewellery and say, you'll never catch <laughs> you'll never me again. Catch. I've got the jewellry. Uh, yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> so it's that safety thing, isn't it, with the person? Like, oh, I can play. Like, I can be silly and it's fine with you. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. you think it's funny too and you want to play. I have a thing that I say to people when they're serving you. So if you've been waiting in a shop and you have been waiting in a shop, quite often people say, sorry about your weight. Yeah. <laughs> and I always say, well, I'm trying to lose it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deliberately misunderstanding them. And they don't understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. They stare at me as if I'm a madman. What That's do, interesting, what do you isn't mean? it? And every now and again, just I've done it a lot because I am a man, man of habit. Once I find yeah. a joke, I don't let it go. And yeah. just once I did it. And then about five minutes later, this girl who was serving ran up to me in the street and said, I'm so sorry. I was just so bored. I wasn't really listening. But that's a very funny joke. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, also like I was just, just like sort of sure how terrible her customer service is. <laughs> sorry, I was bored out of my brains. I didn't care about anyone but myself there. <laughs> <laughs> okay then well I'll, i will say then well you're very funny no you're very funny and, and together, together we, we are, are the very, very funny, funny twins, twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you're getting you could you're an honorary lesbian thank this you is very much i'm delighted to be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Uh, well, unfortunately, the only thing we've got to put in now is something that you'd like to bury and forget. Well, interesting what you were saying before about um, phobias, because the one that I'm going to bury and forget, it's staying in quite a naturey theme, actually, mm -hmm. to, to circle back to the first pebble one. Yeah. <laughs> I was on holiday when I was 16. I was uh, in Normandy and uh, me and my friend went canoeing. And um, it was just a really scary moment that I still scares it to this day because it's phobia fear. It's fear that I don't know how to solve. I'm still as scared of these things now. So we're canoeing up this river. Mm. It's quite a long way. It's a good three-hour canoe. So we're away from the beginning. There was no real place to get onto the sides. It was all like bushes. And then I looked in the water and seen a there was a snake in the water. Uh, I've never seen like anything like that before. I was like 16. I hadn't, I hadn't really seen like a snake. Because I don't know if it was part. I mean, it's Normandy. It's not going to be like a moccasin <laughs> or a bull. But I didn't know that you couldn't get anacondas. Um, and I was just like, so I remember just being so terrified of seeing this snake in the water. Because the way it was moving was so like fast and like, oh, I was like, I had this really awareness of like, I'm in this guy's habitat. He could mm. just get me and... And it was just a frightening thing. So we, we paddled up a bit more. There was a few more snakes that we could see. And then we turned back up and I looked down 
onto my leg and had the biggest spider I've ever seen. I'm so scared of spiders on my leg. <laughs> yeah. So I started screaming and went to jump in the river. With the snakes. I couldn't. So I was just sort of hanging on, <laughs> screaming and crying. And my friend was just laughing and laughing and laughing. She was just like, there's no... It's only a spider, but I'm so scared of them. And it was just so scary. It was so scary. It was that phobia fear mm-hmm. to say, no one's got any sympathy for you because they're like, well, it's, they can't hurt you. But to you, you've gone to full fight or flight. Yeah. And I had to canoe my way back up to the thing. And it was just an hour with a canoe full of spiders and a, a river full of snakes that I've just never forgotten. <laughs> and I want to bury that memory. It's not the most dramatic thing to happen in water in Normandy. I'm sure. No, not really. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> and probably, you know, I was fine, but it was, just, and that makes it worse that the level of fear was just awful. And to this day, still really frightened of, of spiders, especially. Like I was thinking of going to, um, like zoos now have like spider phobia days, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to try and get signed up to one of them, and because it's just like when I see one, I'm. It's just this primal fear that I cannot overtake. Yeah. It's. Unbelievable. I've got four cats that I've had to inherit from my girlfriend and I do love them. Seeing I had to inherit. I do love them. <laughs> and uh, they're just a lot. I can't even have like the window open here because they'll come up onto this roof and start to jump through the upstairs window and this will just be the sea of cats. So I've had so I'm sweltering at the moment. Are they interested in catching spiders? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they are. But my girlfriend's such a she's like has a, such a big heart for animals that she won't see the cats hurt the spiders and she gets to feel sorry for them so she tries to get rid of them but I'm just like I love animals but let them get the spiders like I can't deal with it so yeah that's that's what I want to forget about when I was trapped on the canoe yeah it's some kind of I'm a celebrity challenge that I didn't ask for yeah that is a that's an unpleasant combination isn't it snakes yeah. in the water spiders Spide. on your leg yeah no I can I have yeah. complete sympathy I'm not good with spiders and I don't know why. It makes no sense whatsoever. But even really tiny little money spiders. Where's it going? Where's it? Going? What's it doing? I want to yeah, get rid yeah. of it. Really weird. Do you have any animals that can kill them? <laughs> I, I have a wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You're all right then, aren't but you? She would never kill them. She'd just pick them up and take them out. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? That's like some people are just like, oh, you've been so silly, and they're just, and I'm it's like, a tiny thing. Yeah, I mean, I can understand if there were tarantulas coming out mm. from under the sofa, but there aren't. Yeah, I mean, even to the point the other day, I noticed a cobweb in the corner of the room, and I thought, oh, where's that come from? Anyway, I picked up a broom, and as I swept it, the spider came from its hiding place and ran out into this thing, and then got knocked down by the broom. Yeah. At the same point, I felt something. Like, as if I'd been stung on the leg. Really? And I'm convinced it was completely psychosomatic. Yeah. My mind immediately said, you've been bitten by the spider. Oh, of course, because that's, uh, I suppose, that primal thing. You're looking out for, uh, where's the danger? There it is. That must be what it is. You're scanning for it. But don't you think it's interesting that humans have, we have that phobia, how it's been handed down for probably tens of thousands of years, and Mm. then you've got to watch out for that. Yeah. Which means that, Trauma can affect DNA, can't it? So that, that traumatic thing of going, oh, my God, a spider just bit someone, and oh, God, she's going to die. That has happened so many times that it's now it's just inward. Yeah. So fascinating. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. It's not learnt behaviour. That's instinctive behaviour. But apparently on these, like, courses in these zoos, they, they're very effective. I think the a bit of hypnotism, I think, is involved. Mm-hmm. A bit of hypnotism and a little bit of just, like, being admiring the spiders and going, look, they're, they're such wonderful creatures. And then at the end, you're invited to... 
wholesome and most people do and some people have got such crippling fears at the beginning they can't even like be in the same room with a picture of a spider and stuff <laughs> like that so yeah so I might give it a whirl but I'll let you know how it goes do do yeah, yeah let me know because uh, perhaps I should do it myself and actually yeah. that hypnotherapy it does work it really does work does it yeah I know people who you know not for everyone and it's not yeah. infallible but it definitely does oh it is amazing mm. it is so that's the memory I'm burying yeah that's going to be buried <laughs> that's gone Oh, you made me shudder. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Louise, it's really lovely to meet you and really nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for doing this for me. I hope you have a fantastic time in Edinburgh. Thank you. On your very first time. Yeah, and, and, uh, we'll see. And I would say to everyone, go along and see you. You're brilliant. Thank you very much for having us. That was so fun. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. <laughs> you have been listening to My Time Capsule, with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Louise Young. Okie dokie, before you pop off, here are some parish notices. Do subscribe to this podcast, please. We rely on you, and my producer and son, John, and I make this all on our own, so we're very grateful for the support. If you want to help us some more, then do rate and maybe even review this podcast so others will discover us. You can help even more by subscribing to ACAST Plus, where, as a result of your small monthly donation, you will get every episode ad-free. And once we work out what to do, special bonus episodes coming very soon, I promise. Details in the description of this episode. Feel free, because at the moment it is free, until the billionaires in charge decide otherwise and bugger everything up, feel free to follow both me and my time capsule on social media, where we do try to keep things as social as possible, whatever's going on around us. And if you download or stream the theme tune on Spotify, then John will earn a fraction of a penny for having composed and recorded it. Isn't that exciting? He did it under the name of Pass the Peas music, of course. Still, as Eddie Large used to say, every little helps. Now, I bet that joke makes you feel either bewildered or old. Either way, this has been a cast-off production for Acast, produced by the aforementioned John Fenton Stevens. God bless him. Right, keep well and keep happy, and keep the faith. You see, I reckon that by this time next year, I will have my name up in lights at every major theatre in the country. I'm going to change my name to Exit. Bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.